This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, We do have prayer cards in the back. If you'd like to take one and use them as a bookmark and pray for us when you can, that would be wonderful. And then there's some brochures as well about the other ministries that Worldview Ministries has and that they're working on the different projects there. So one of the issues that we find in India is, uh, well, there's two main issues. One is syncretism, and we want to avoid syncretism. And that is a fancy word of taking their religion and blending it with Western religion or blending it with Christianity or blending it with Catholicism or just uh, taking the God of the Bible and just adding it to their million gods. We want to avoid that. And that's one of the things that uh, when we ask you to pray for Warmichung, we, we sat down with her and we, we talked to her about the gospel. But when she prays, she's always crossing herself. And she's just confused. Um, and we want her to not be confused. We want her to turn from what she's trusting in to get her to heaven to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus and Jesus alone saves And so we want to avoid syncretism. So with these seven young men, we didn't start with Jesus on the cross. We started with Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And he's not like the gods you've created. He's not like the gods you worship. No, he is the non-false God. You can stand and you can build your life on the word of God. And so we began to teach them through the, the Old Testament and we taught them about Adam and Eve and lots and lots of questions that they had. And uh, then we came along the way, we got to Jesus and his sacrifice, how that he is the second Adam, amen? And he died on the cross of Calvary for our sin. And when they heard that, many of them came to Christ and uh, so... The seven of them uh, at different points along the way uh, came to Christ. So we want to avoid syncretism. But another thing that we're facing with in India, and, and not just in India, but even in our churches in America, is this idea of you're born into a culture, into a religion, and therefore that is what you are. So these, these young people, they are born into Hinduism, and that's all they know. They, they are in that religious system, and they can't get out because it's so intertwined with their culture. If you're born into a Muslim uh, home, you're Muslim. And many times the idea is that when they are born into a Christian home, They consider themselves Christians. But you and I know that the Bible teaches that faith must be personal faith. The soul that sinneth, it will die. Meaning that each one of us have to take the word of God and personally accept it. And these young men and women that have come, especially from Myanmar, there were 85 new students this past year. 
and throughout the course of the year, they heard the preaching of, the God, of God's word and, and they were growing in their English. And one of the young men that you saw in the, in the video, one of the teachers, Matthew Padnall, he came. He's, he speaks a number of languages. He grew up in, Mongol, in, uh, in China speaking Mandarin because his dad was a missionary there. He went to Mongolia and was a missionary there. And he comes over and he helps us in some uh, technical training of learning uh, language acquisition is one of the classes that he teaches. Dr. Cherian asked Brother Matthew, said, Brother Matthew, would you take Sunday afternoon and would you just, through, a, through an interpreter, clearly, simply give the gospel to these 85 students? And he said, sure. So he used his experience, his mindset of culture, and he slowly, methodically went through the gospel. And at the end of that service, 35 trusted Christ as their Savior. And, and I began to think, what is happening here? And the Lord brought me to this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, and, and it opened my eyes. You, you see, Corinth was a troubled church. It was a church that believed the word of God. They were saved, but they had some issues. Now, this church doesn't have any issues. My home doesn't have any issues, right? Well, sure it does. Well, because we, we all have issues. But the Apostle Paul began to, um, through letters that were written to him, be able to take their questions and their problems and then write back to them, answers to their problems and I just want to stop here for a second and say this again that if you got issues you got problems the word of God has answers the word of God has answers for you tonight and and uh, and so look to the Lord for those answers a lot of times we'd rather talk about our problems than find solutions to them and so the Apostle Paul, he begins to write to them some answers to some of the issues that were going on. And so I want to take a few moments and just look at some of those issues that they were facing. Look with me at verse number one. The Bible says this, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that, and notice this word all, and how many times it's mentioned, how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So here's some of the things that um, the Israelites were involved with. Verse 7, neither be idolaters as were some of them as it is written that people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. 
Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Verses 14 to verse number 30, Paul identifies one of the problems that they were having, and that was meats that were offered to idols. Should we eat or should we not? And then verse number 31, Paul concludes with this idea whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So the first problem that I see in this passage of scripture and that I saw in India was this. They were participating, but they had no faith. They were participating, but there was no personal faith. There was no practical faith. So look with me again at verse number, the last part of verse 1. All the fathers were under the cloud. They passed through the sea. They were baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They ate the same spiritual meat in verse 3. They drank of the spiritual rock. What is Paul trying to say? He's saying, look, Corinth, look at Israel. Look at the opportunity that they had. They were able to see the mighty hand of God work in a way that you and I have never seen. They were able to see Moses part the Red Sea, and they were able to walk on dry ground. Now, Moses didn't part it. God used Moses, and he parted the sea. What a miracle! He was, they were able to wake up in the morning, and they were able to go out and grab the meals for the day through the manna that God provided. When they murmured and complained and serpents began to bite them and they were dying. Moses called upon God and God said, make a brazen serpent. Now get this, make a brazen serpent, put it on a pole and extend it into the sky in the middle of the camp so that if anyone, anyone who is bitten by a serpent would just Turn and look to that serpent that is lifted up. They will be saved. What a miracle. These men and women were able to experience things that were miraculous. And yet look at verse 5. The Bible says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. Now, class, let me ask you a question. What pleases God? If we were to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, if you want to turn real quick there, the, the Bible tells us what pleases God. And you already know, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And he goes on to say in verse 6, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what pleases God? It is faith. It is trusting in him with all our heart. Leaning not on our own understanding and all our ways acknowledging him and by his grace he directs our path.
And here is a people, Israel, who saw God work in wonderful ways, but their heart was far from him. And the consequence of their heart far from, them, from, from God resulted in damage. It resulted in destruction. It d- resulted in, in them experiencing death. The Bible still says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. You know, as a young person, I always thought that was just talking about eternal death. My friends, sin always destroys. And so we would look at verse 6 and how that they lusted after evil things and they lusted. And verse 7, they were idolaters. In verse 8, they committed fornication. If, in verse 9, they tempted Christ. In verse 10, they murmured and complained. What is he saying here? He's saying to Corinth, here's a group of people that saw God, saw the work of God, refused to believe God, and suffered the consequences because of it. And he says, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be participators that have no faith. You can be participating and have faith. You see, there were a group of Indians that were, or Myanmarans, or me and, how would you say it, Tori? Myanmarans, I guess, I don't know. These, these people that are up in, in the country of Myanmar, and, and they, they come down to SIBBC, and they are participants in the in the the church services and the choirs and all of the preaching. Boy, you want to talk about a ministry. It is just like a camp ministry. How many of you have ever been involved with a camp ministry? You know, one thing that you find in a camp ministry is preaching, right? Preaching in the morning, preaching in the morning, preaching in the afternoon, preaching in the evening, devotions in the morning, devotions at night. This is what SIBBC is. There is not a day that goes by where somebody's not preaching the Bible. And Here they are, participating. But they had no faith. What about you? How long have you been in the church? You've been participating for a long time. Where's your faith? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? But I want to remind you, Paul was talking to believers So he wasn't focusing on their eternal salvation. He was talking about their daily victory that they could have in Christ to where they could be victorious over their sinful state. He wanted them to be reminded that they are now new creatures in Christ, amen? They are no longer sinners saved by grace. They are saints saved by grace. So we find here that Paul goes one step farther in saying that not only are you participators, but be participators with faith, but go one step farther and understand that provision is made available to you, but possess it. Provision is does not guarantee possession. 
So look with me in verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. So Paul tells this church at Corinth, you can be a victorious Christian. Provision has been made for each one of you. Now take it. Because it doesn't guarantee that you will. See, it's a choice that we have to make, isn't it? I remember growing up and I got saved in 1989 and I began to start to grow in the Lord and I began to look at the people that were attending church and saw how they dressed, saw how they acted, saw how my life at home was and I was thinking, I don't want the life that I have at home. I want the life that I see the people in the church have. And so... As a young person, I began to self-focus my choices based on that which is right. Try to live the law in my own flesh. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what was right. Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to pull up my bootstraps and I'm going to not lie. I'm not going to steal and I'm not going to cheat. But you know what happened? I got discouraged. I got frustrated. Why? Because I failed. And I failed. And I failed. My life was like a roller coaster. You know what I'm saying? I would go to camps. I would go to church on Sunday morning. I'd go to the union mission with my youth group. And I'd get on a spiritual high. And I'd be like, this is awesome. I'm living for the Lord. And three days later, I'm in the slumps again. Discouraged because I'm not living for the Lord. Because I was trying to live the Christian life by my own strength. And then I realized that I don't have to. The Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. So that means that I received Christ by faith. Now I can live the Christian life by faith. Now I can have access to what Jesus said in John 10, that he had come to give life and abundant life. I want to be that kind of Christian. What about you? I want to be surprised by defeat, not surprised by victory. And so Paul, he, he, he tells them that provision is made in verse 13. I like what he does here. He says a couple of things about God. He, he points the church to God, because that is the object of our faith. The Lord God of heaven. So notice what he says in verse 13. He says, God is faithful. Boy, that, that'll preach for itself right there. He will never fail you. He goes a little bit farther and says, 
who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. What is he saying here? He's saying this. In a nutshell, he's saying God is in control of what comes your way. I like to say it like this. God is actively involved in your life. That's good news, isn't it? Has there been some things in your life that seem overwhelming? Things that just came out of the blue and shocked the socks off of you? And you just open your mouth wide and you're like, wow. It didn't surprise God. And he's right there with you through it all. And he's telling this church at Corinth, you can have confidence in God. He's faithful. He's the one that is allowing these things to come into your life. And I love this. He goes one step farther and he says this, God provides a way of an escape always. He says this in verse, uh, the last phrase. He says, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. Now, I'm not spending a lot of time tonight on temptation because everybody in here knows what temptation is, right? I mean, we don't have to go into all of the ifs, ands, and buts. We, we got it all. You know it. If, you're, if you've been saved for any amount of time, you know what temptation is. But I want you to know this, that God always provides a way of escape. What is that escape? In Hebrews, we find out what that escape is. It's not the law because the law has no power. The law can only tell you what's right and wrong. It's not license because license is self-focused. A man who lives his life doing that which is right in his own eyes is a selfish man. Oh, but my friends, if we would look to Jesus, he is the author and finisher of our faith in Christ who lives in us will always do the right thing. So let us yield our lives and our hearts to Christ. Jesus said that a man who... That which he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what Paul is doing here is he's pointing this church at Corinth to faith. What is it that you are believing? What are you trusting in? And he's pointing them to trust God. And in our circles, what we need to trust is the very words of God. That's why it's so important to get God's word into every heart language out there. You see, you can win somebody to Christ by translating a few verses, John 3.16 or the Romans Road. You can translate maybe John and maybe Romans even. But my friends, we, we need, if we're going to be discipled, we need the entire word of God. We we. we are not going to build strong churches even if we just have the New Testament. Because what is the New Testament built on? Is it not built on the foundation of the Old Testament? They work together. We have our job. <laughs> it, is, it is out there, meaning that we, we, we got a job in front of us, uh, a big job to do. So we, we find here that Paul establishes the character of God. God is faithful. God is in control. He always provides a way of escape. 
but there's verse number 14. There is action that needs to be done in our life. Yes, we need to believe that God is there and He is provided, but we have to possess. We have to take action if we want to see victory in our life. Verse 14 says, Wherefore, my, belo- my dearly beloved, flee the idolatry. It reminds me of Joseph in the Old Testament when he was uh, tempted by Potiphar's wife day in and day out. You remember the story. She came in one day when no one was around and she grabbed him and he took off his coat and he fleed. You see, that is faith in action. He knew it was wrong, but he wasn't going to stay around to participate in the wrong action. He got out of there. And so if we are going to have victory in our life, if we're going to to be partakers of faith in action, then we first need to be honest. Victory starts with honesty. It ends with action. But the key is faith. We've got to trust the Lord. So as Paul moves through this passage of Scripture, he talks about how that participation does not guarantee personal faith. Provision does not guarantee possession. But then he concludes by verse number 31, purpose does not guarantee production. Purpose does not guarantee production. And, and what, what do I mean by that? I, what I mean is, is that as we look at verses 14 to verse 30, I won't take time to read this, but he's talking about meats that are offered to idols. And how that, uh, should we eat those meats as Christians? Because they, they're offered to idols. And what Paul is saying is, listen, the idol is meaningless. It is false. It is not real. It, it is uh, something that is, is a non-issue. So here's the point. Freely eat. But then he goes one step farther and says, but wait a second. If you're eating and it offends your brother, your relationship with your brother is more important than your belly. Your relationship with your brother is more important. No wonder Jesus, he would say that before you offer your your gifts before the altar, make sure that you're right with your brothers because God, he is concerned about our relationships with the family. And so he concludes here in verse 31, wherefore there, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The purpose for the church, the purpose for the individuals that make up the church is to bring honor and glory to Almighty God. You see, if we were to look at Psalm 19, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth His handiwork. The sun and the moon and the stars tonight, they are giving God glory, are they not? They are doing exactly what God designed them to do. What about you? Are you doing what God designed you to do? You see, before you trusted Christ as your Savior, we erred. We faltered. But now that we're in Christ, we can bring glory and honor to God. And when we do, when we do, when when our light shines bright, it's going to be 
attractive. And notice what Paul says in this last verse, verse 33, the last phrase. That they may be saved. So he's talking to the church of Corinth. And he's saying, Corinth, be people of faith. Be people of faith. World evangelism is depending on your faith. So trust the Lord. And let that trust in the Lord be a beacon that attracts the lost world. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.